Hey guys, welcome back to Real Estate Tonight with Bryce Kaminsky. Today we're going to be talking about not gatekeeping your capital list. That's tonight on Real Estate Tonight with Bryce Kaminsky. Alright guys, welcome back. Um, today we're going to be talking about gatekeeping your lists in regarding to raising capital. And, you know, over my career training hundreds of students, one of the things that has come up a lot mm-hmm. is the personal beliefs surrounding the lists of people that we have access to. So the first thing I would talk about is going to be your list in particular. You know, when we start generating our capital list, we want to be talking about how many people we know in general. You know, the first question I have for a lot of my students is, how many people are in your phone? And they'll say, oh, I don't know. And I say, well, 100, 200, 300. And with cell phones now, we typically carry pretty much our entire list for our entire lifetime, being able to upload and download our contact list as we get new phones. So a lot of people do have quite a few phone numbers that they can leverage in their capital raising activities. But the, the challenge is we look at these names and we decide for ourselves whether to put them on the list or not. We say, oh, that person's probably not interested, so I'm going to leave them off the list. And you have to ask yourself in that moment, why are you keeping them off your list? Have you asked them directly whether they'd be interested in something like this? And the question is usually, no, I haven't, but I'm going to prejudge my list and say, oh, well, that person is too broke or, you know, they're always complaining they don't have any money or something like that, and I'm just not going to put them on my list. And the story that I like to tell that kind of brings that home is uh, my late grandmother. So she passed away in her late 90s, and by all accounts, she was on the poverty line. You know, she would talk about how she doesn't have enough money for her uh, daily living, and she'd complain that she didn't get uh, enough of my grandfather's pension, her military pension wasn't enough. And you could kind of see by her house that it matched what she was saying. You know, not a lot of food, just the basics. The ceiling in the front entryway and the kitchen is kind of coming down from water damage that kind of some work on the house that's been neglected simply because I guess she didn't want to invest further into the house. So the house was a time capsule, shag carpets, 1960s, exactly as it was purchased. And the thing that I came to learn when she passed away was she was sitting on about $370,000. And $370,000 wasn't in investments or a GIC or anything like that. It was simply in her top line checking account. So she was sitting with a checking account of about 370,000 liquid capital. And I never asked her and I never thought to ask her because of the way that she was outwardly projecting her financial situation. Knowing what I know now, it's likely that I probably could have raised money and improved her financial situation by offering her a better return than 0% in her checking account. But I never had that conversation because I prejudged my leads. 
So the thing we want to do with our mindset going in is we don't know and we should ask to find out because if we're saying no, it's very much like, oh, that girl's never going to go out with me. I don't have a shot at that job. Um, I'm never going to win the lottery. I'm never going to do this and I'm not going to do that. And all of these things may or may not be realities. But what we want to do when growing and building a future that isn't our current reality, we want to think about, well, what if it did happen? You know, what if I was able to get that job? What if I was able to raise money for that deal? What if I did win the lottery? And the only way to play the lottery is to buy a ticket. If you look at your capital list and say, grandma is broke, so I'm not going to buy a ticket on that lottery. And the result is 100% that I will not get the lottery if I 100% don't buy the ticket. And so what we need to be thinking about when we're looking at our list is every phone number, every opportunity is truly an opportunity for someone to say no to you. And that's really what we want because then we have clarity as to whether or not that lead actually exists. And to say no to ourselves is essentially not buying the ticket. I'm not going to win the lottery. I don't want to buy the ticket. It makes me uncomfortable to invest in something that I don't think I have a chance at. So I'm not even going to bother grandmother. I'm not going to bother other people. I'm just going to say no for them and not actually have that conversation, which is going to be hugely detrimental to your capital raising projects. Now, the second piece that's really fundamentally different has to do with that initial contact. Now, the initial contact has everything to do with allowing the contact, the person you're speaking with, the opportunity to join us without directly asking them to join. And the easiest way to explain that is, again, with a little you know story. And so... The story goes something like this. You have something that needs to be babysat, whether it's a dog or a baby or, you know, someone needs to watch my house. I'm going out of town. So I would call my friend up and I'd say, hey, um, I'm going out of town. Can you watch my dog this week? And the first answer is always is always most likely no. Not because they're not interested in watching your dog, but because that type of direct question can put people on their back heels. You know, they don't want to, maybe they want to say yes, but their initial reaction is going to be no, because we just went straight out to it. They were not prepared. They're not mentally prepared. They haven't even given it a moment. And you're asking for a definitive answer. And that's, typically why we're getting a lot of no's. And if we flip that contact very, very specifically and we change our approach just slightly, we can get a better result. And so the better result would be something simple like calling my brother up and say, hey man, how are you doing? Good. Do you know anyone in the family or anyone in particular who might be able to watch my dog next week as I'm going out of town. And in that moment, 
I'm not asking him directly. I'm asking for a referral. And what's, ma what's very, very important there is to recognize that the referral also includes them. But it gives them that moment to sit in pondering because it's open. It's like a referral. Hey, do you know anyone who knows anything about cryptocurrency? And that could be them. And they might say, hmm, they think, well, my friend so-and-so does a lot of crypto trading. You could probably contact them. And you say, great, can you get me connected with them? And, you know, if I end up doing business with them, I'll pay you a referral. And they're like, yeah, I can make that call. And the other, uh, the other reality might be, I can help you with crypto. I'm in it too. You might not know that. You might not know that I am part of the cryptocurrency movement and I can actually help you, my brother would say. And it's like, oh wow, so that's great. Let's talk about that. And we're directly in on that particular conversation. And what's powerful about that is it gives them one moment to think about it, a moment to, to not disappoint you by telling them that they don't know anyone. That's fine. That, that's probably a real answer too. And it's definitely an easy out for people. And then three, with that moment of thinking about who might be able to help me find someone to watch my dog or help me invest in cryptocurrency or whatever the ask might be, it gives them a moment to say, hmm, I could probably help them myself. And so by asking for a referral, it's a softer way of asking for what you want. And it also doesn't put pressure on the client to participate. And it opens to a wider open-ended question because this isn't a yes or no question. This is a, do you, do you know anyone who might be able to, to kind of help me with this problem I have, this challenge? And while it might be a yes or no, it's more of a yes and or a no and, which is a more open question and a more open result. So if I went to my grandmother, the one with $370,000 in her checking account, and I said, hey, grandma, I'm doing some real estate, you know, things are going well. You don't happen to know anyone who might be interested in lending on some of these real estate projects I'm coming up. You know, I pay pretty well and, uh, you know, it might be something interesting if you know anyone. And in that moment, grandma sits and ponders and says, hmm, I don't talk about my $370,000, but this might be an opportunity for me. Or she says, well, the neighbor I play bridge with on Tuesdays does real estate investment. I can get you connected to that person. And fundamentally, that question is far different than, hey, grandma, are you interested in making 8 to 12% uh, investing in real estate with me? She immediately freezes up. The question makes people's shoulders tense up and they're like, no, no, thank you. And maybe the answer is truly yes, but the pressure of the question creates a no. So let's always be open, both with our lists and with the way we approach people with the idea. If you can fundamentally handle the rejection factor, which is always inclusive of a sales activity like raising capital or finding deals or asking someone to babysit the dog, you will find what you're looking for. 100% of the time, you will succeed. 
but it will take a certain amount of rejection, a certain amount of discomfort, that discomfort inherent in the fact that you're unsure of yourself, perhaps, or unsure of the idea. But remember that real estate is proven. And if someone's going to invest with you, they will make money. The question isn't whether real estate is a proven thing, it's whether you're proven. And we need to be able to hide or contain that emotion of whether you're proven or not when raising capital, because it's not about you. It's about whether real estate is a tool that works and the answer is always yes. So try to keep that in mind when we're raising capital, guys. I think that it will definitely increase your chances and allow you to scale your business far faster by using other people's money instead of saving your 20% down and recycling the small amount of money that you haven't been able to save in the first place. So let's get out there, let's raise some capital, and let's be open instead of closed because closed has not worked for you yet and will not work for you tomorrow. We need to open up our opportunity lists. Okay, guys? So until next time, this is Real Estate Tonight with Bryce Kaminsky. Alright guys, another great episode. Um, just a little update as to what's coming down the pipe in regards to these uh, recordings here. I've got a couple of interviews with some successful up-and-coming entrepreneurs as to their journey of going from part-time to full-time. So I'm hoping to get those uh, put up either this week or next. And uh, just keep looking for the next episode and I'm going to keep bringing you what I think is important in real estate. So until next time guys, that's Real Estate Tonight with Bryce Kaminsky.